Hallelujah. Well, good afternoon, Kensington Temple. Uh, I'd also like to welcome those of you who are uh, over there across the road in the coronet, and those of you in the lower hall, and those of you in the overflow behind me, and uh, the several hundreds and coming to thousands of you watching on the internet. God bless you as you join us today. Amen. I'm, I'm going to ask you to please stand with me as we pray. I want us to pray. Um, I want us to pray before I bring my message today. Um, I, have a, I have a message that is, is tough to preach, but I did successfully in the 9 o'clock service. And I'm um, trusting the Holy Spirit that he, he will help me again uh, at this 11 o'clock service. Amen. And so let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for the privilege that we have to be called your children. Thank you for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your awesome presence in this place. And like the band has just sang, we declare you awesome in this place. Glorify Jesus in this place today. Let the entrance of your word bring light. Let it bring understanding. I come against every spirit of offense. I take control and I take authority in the realm of the spirit. And I bind every spirit that is contrary to the spirit of God. I speak to the heart of every listener. Everyone under the sound of my voice. I speak to your heart this morning. And I ask that your heart become the soil, the good soil. Upon which the good seed of the word of God is sown today. That it may bring forth fruit a hundredfold. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I come against every heart of stone. I ask that the sledgehammer of the Holy Spirit will break it. And that everybody will receive a heart of flesh. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, do that which you alone can do today. Anoint my lips. Anoint the ears of my hearers. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you very much. Please be seated. Please be seated. I'm bringing a message to you this afternoon that I've titled, It's Time to Be Bold. It is time for boldness. It is time for the church of Jesus Christ to rise up and be bold, especially in this nation. And most of you had uh, um, Gabriel prayed about the, uh, the, the vote in the House of Commons a couple of days ago. And... Um, we as Christians, we may complain, we may whine, we may talk, we may even call on the radio shows and go on the chat shows and, and do whatever we want to do. The fact is, the vote passed. And we may think that it's a vote against Christianity. We may think that it's a vote, a vote against the church. But I want to say to you, it's not against Christianity is not against the church. It's against God. It's a vote that expresses the heart of Pharaoh. Who said to Moses and Aaron, who is your God that I should obey him? That's the vote. And as children of God, we must know what to do. We must understand that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. There are a lot of strongholds that have been built over the years. The enemy has been at work over the years, over the years. 
bringing the strong, building the strongholds, establishing not just a foothold, but a stronghold in the minds of our politicians, in the minds of people out there that thinking that they are wise, they become fools according to the Bible. We are talking and we are dealing with people who are of debased mind. And please, before you think I'm being insultive, read your Bible, Romans 1. I'm not trying to insult. I'm quoting directly from scriptures. They think they are wise, but they have become fools. They have a darkened heart. And their minds are debased. When people's minds are debased, that's when they become they begin to call things that are evil, good. And so people, please, before we judge them and condemn them, we must understand also that the Bible says that the whole world, them out there, are under the control of the evil one. So there's an evil one that is in control over their minds. And that's where we come in. And that's where we come in. That's where we rise up with boldness. That's where we quit complaining and whining and whatever else we do in our holy huddles. And we take a look around us and we, we come to the conclusion that this is not the way it's supposed to be. And we decide. We decide to take action. We decide to take action. We decide to go back to the book and say, what has God got to say concerning this? Like I said at the 9 o'clock service, thank God for Christian organizations out there. Christian concern for our nation, going to the courts, going to the European court, fighting on all fronts, other Christian organizations, CARE, you know, the, the Wilberforce Academy, and all those fantastic Christian organizations that are there in the marketplace, in the public place, fighting the battle. And the more I prayed about it, the more I think about it, the more I meditate about what is happening in this nation, the more I realize that Colinda is right. When he says, when you have sent all the bombs and all the missiles to Afghanistan or to Iraq, you would not have busted one demon. You may kill all the Taliban, but what about the demons in them? What about the spirit of violence in them? They just look for the next person to prey on. So what is the solution? The solution is to become a focused church. The solution is to go back to the word of God. The solution is to say, what exactly did Jesus Christ say? What did he say? How did he tell us to handle this when he comes? He did warn us that I will be shipped among, I was among the sheep. He did tell us that there are some people who call themselves preachers who are going to say, Lord, we did this in your name, we did that in your name, but on that name I'm going to say to them, I don't know you, you're workers of iniquity. He warned us. He warned us. So what do we do? Two things I want to share with you today about what we do. Only two things. And it's about looking at what happened in the time of the apostles. Because this is not new. Trying to shut down the church of Jesus Christ is not new. Hallelujah. In fact, the, 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 the biggest church in the world is in the places where the gospel is closed down. The underground church. 
Thank God for Kensington Temple. Thank God for those of you who give. Thank God for your tithes and your offerings. Thank God for those of you who are signing up the direct debit to put Pastor Colin back on TV in the Middle East. I looked at it and I, and I thought, it's going to take some probably 30 years for us if we work very hard at discipleship to be able to send missionaries back out again into the world. About 30 years. It's going to take us 30 years of discipling people. I'm not talking about church attendance. I'm talking about discipleship. Training people. Discipling them. And teaching them to go and do the same thing that Jesus Christ did. It will take about 30 years for us to begin to send our missionaries again. In the meantime, what do we do? What do we do about Islam? What do we do about people who are dying in the Middle East who do not know Jesus Christ? We preach to them through the avenue that is available. Internet and TV. And lots of people are coming to the Lord. So please support. You know, support, support that. Because we need that now. Until we become strong and bold enough to start going out again as the church of Jesus Christ. To take in the gospel out there into where it is needed. We need to come back and retrain ourselves and line up as soldiers of Christ. Under the apostolic authority that God has given us. For, you, for us to even know that we have a covering before we go. Can I hear you say amen? amen? And so if you have your Bibles with you, please go with me to the book of Acts of Apostles, chapter 4. Acts of Apostles, chapter 4. And I want to read the whole chapter, so I need you to be quick with your, with your Bible. Because I want to pro, uh, point out some things to you about what we need to do in these times. It's time for boldness. Acts chapter 4, from verse 1. Now as they spoke to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they thought, taught the people and preached in, Jesus, in, uh, preached in uh, Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and, uh, and as many as well of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? And when they had... Then Peter... Filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven. Given among men. By which we must be saved. Now when they, had, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. And perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. 
And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to this man? For indeed that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorify God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years, 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they, so when they, heard that they, re, they raised their voices to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God, who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of your servant David has said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord, against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. As we go through this chapter of the Bible, we see the word, the word boldness being repeated. Boldness. They spoke the word of God with boldness. They were bold before the rulers. They told them, we cannot listen to you. We must, we must talk about the things that we've seen, we've heard, that our hands, hands have handled. And if you're asking us not to do that, then you're asking us to disobey God. And then you judge in yourself. You judge for yourself. Whether we should obey you, Thereby disobeying God or obey God. And if we are obeying God, then it means we have to disobey you. And it's not a new thing in the lives of believers. You just have to go back to the Old Testament and look at the life of Daniel. And look at the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And look at the life of Esther. All through this, the Old Testament and the lives of these people that I've mentioned, one thing was evident in their lives. They had courage and they had boldness. The three Hebrew children said to Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Sorry, O king, you live forever. But we will not obey you. We, we don't even have to answer you in this matter. We choose to obey God rather than bow down to your idol. He says, I'm going to throw you in the fire. Say, carry on. And we've come to that time also 
in our lives as Christians in Europe and especially in England that you must know who you believe, what you believe, and why you believe what you believe. Because if you do not know that, you cannot be bold. You cannot be courageous. We've been fed from pupils around the world, from television stations around the world. We've been fed with milk and honey. We've been fed with cake and icing. We've been fed with things that had caused our bodies, our spiritual bodies, to be weak. We've been fed with stuff that has caused us to be paralyzed. Our muscles are weak. Our prayer muscles are weak. Our faith muscles are weak. We've been bedridden for a long time. And suddenly the enemy is at the door. <laughs> and whether we like it or not, it is time to get some physiotherapy. It is time for us to get those muscles working again. And if you've been bedridden for some time, and you know that your legs are weak, your muscles are weak, it would take courage and boldness for you to get that physiotherapist to encourage you to take that first step. No matter how shaky it's going to be. To, to take that step again. No matter how painful it's going to be. Because you know, you know that you know that you know that you'll be staying in bed. You're not going to walk. You won't walk. Oh, I'm not pulling punches today at all, people of God. Because the enemy is at the gate. The enemy is at the gate. We better, we better wake up and smell the coffee. The enemy is at the gate. We are not taking territories. The enemy is taking territories. London and the world for Christ. Bold statement. It will require bold people to make it happen. It will require people who are lined up under the apostolic authority of this house to make it happen. And so I'm talking to you, primary 12 leader, and I'm one of them. Line up! Men and women, line up! Cell leaders, line up under your, under your cell leaders. Line up under the G12 leaders. As we line up under Colinda, line up! Or get out! Line up or get out. There's no more time for jokes, people of God. The entertainment is over. The enemy is at the door. Sin is at the door. Once your soul, once my soul, once the soul of the nation, once the soul of our children, once the soul of generations to come, The enemy is at the door. Apostolic overseers, line up under Colindan. Satellite pastors, line up or get out. Line up. You know, I honor Colindai today. I honor Amanda Dye. I know it's not a very British thing to do. But I refuse to be British today. I'm an African. Right now, I'm an African. Right now, I put on my Nigerian hat. And I bless the man of God and the woman of God in this house. I thank God for their lives. 
I thank God for their sacrifices. I thank God for their selflessness. We better begin to honor the anointing of God upon them. Otherwise, the anointing will not speak for you. Read the story of Elijah and Elisha. I know it's not very British. Oh, you're just talking like that because it's, it's a cultural thing in, in Africa, you know. I've been, I've been with Colin Dye for 13 years. He's taught me about honoring. He's taught me about what he doesn't want. He doesn't want worship. We disagree and agree on a few things. We disagree on the fact that he said, praise, I want you to call me Colin. I said, no, sir. I will not call you Colin. It's against my culture. I came to England when I was 38 years old. I'm not going to change now. This leopard is not going to change his spot. And I know the reason why. Because I don't want to get familiar with the anointing of God upon his life. But we agreed on one thing. Praise, I don't want you to say yes to me. I said, okay, I'll say yes, Pastor Colin then. <laughs> and he explained to me why he doesn't want me to say yes sir, to him. And I agreed. But there's one thing we are missing in the church of Jesus Christ today. We are missing the fact that egalitarianism is not Christianity. Also, authoritarian, hierarchical church leadership is not godly. But that does not mean that we don't have leaders. Because when you read Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 11, he says, God has given to the church some to be apostles, to be prophets, to be pastors, to be teachers, to be evangelists for a particular work. For a particular work. The reason why God confers that anointing and grace and privilege and authority over them is to serve his people. But unfortunately, unfortunately, over the years, the way the men of God, and I'm one of them, <laughs> and pastors and teachers and the fivefold ministry had preached the gospel was more to serve themselves than to serve the people of God. <laughs> Went to a particular country which shall be nameless. And I was told that the men in that church, in a particular church, bought their pastor a jeep, a four-wheel drive car, that the pastor must drive to the church every Sunday. The men in the church bought it for their pastor. Praise God for that. What a generous heart. But the reason why they bought that jeep for him was because if new people are coming to church on Sunday and they can't see a jeep parked in the pastor's car, car, car slot, they don't believe there's an anointing of prosperity there. So they go to the next church where the pastor has a jeep. Because that's what they've been fed over the years. And so when, um, when the challenges come about a Christian standing up for what he believes, and somebody says to you, no, you are a bigot. You are homophobic. You are an evangelical fundamentalist. What do you do as a Christian who has been fed ice cream all your life? You back up. You don't have an answer. You back up. 
Instead of being bold and saying, wait, 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 wait a minute. I agree with you that I'm evangelical. I agree with you that I'm fundamentalist because I believe the fundamental principles of this book. But I'm not a bigot. And I'm definitely not homophobic. And by the way, can you, de can you define what big bigotry means? Or ho homophobism means? Can you, can you describe that? And then when you explain to them who you are, then they know you are not homophobic. But because we are so weak, those muscles are weak. We back down. And thank God for those Christians who are fighting in the law courts, fighting for their rights. But please let me say one thing to you. <laughs> all, all that needs to happen is for the law to be changed. And you can't even go to court for anything. You cannot even go to court for anything. Which leaves us with one thing. What? The word of God. The word of God. Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation. I am not ashamed of the gospel. 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 The gospel is not only my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The gospel is not only I claim my healing. Yes, I receive it. Thank God. It's still part of the gospel. But the gospel is still the power of God unto salvation for them that believe. We want people to come to know Jesus. Whether it's from 10 Downing Street to, to our local councils, we have to preach the gospel. Like these disciples were telling them, this deed, the healing of the, of, the, of the lame man at the beautiful gate, was done through the preaching of the name of Jesus Christ, the one you crucified. <laughs> the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified again in the House of Commons with the David Cameron vote. Now, what, what really shocked people was that this was not even on the agenda of even the liberal democrats. It wasn't on their manifesto. Nor was it on the manifesto of the Labour Party. Nor was it on the manifesto of the Conservatives. It was not on the manifesto. So what exactly pushed David Cameron to do this? Is it more votes? To win the election in 2015 or whenever it's coming? Yeah. Looking at it from human perspective, we may, say, we may conclude that. <laughs> no, that's not it. There is a demon in him. There is a spirit that has taken over his life. The Bible says that we pray for our, 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 the people in government. The next time you pray for David Cameron, pray that God would deliver him from that spirit. The God of this world has blinded their eyes. The whole world lies under the control of the wicked one. Thinking they are wise. They've become fools. Their hearts have been darkened. And they have a debased mind. Now before you think I'm, I'm trying to insult them. No, that's Romans 1. I'm quoting directly from Romans 1. 
And thank God I didn't, I didn't write it. When you get to heaven, blame Saul, blame Paul, Paul the apostle. Thinking they are wise, they become fools. Their hearts have been darkened. And they have a debased mind. Only a debased mind, like the mind of Pharaoh, can say, who is your God, that I should obey him. And of course, we know what happened to Pharaoh. We know what happened to Pharaoh. People of God, it's not over. It's not over. And I want to say to you, it's just beginning. The enemy is at the gate. People of God, we've got to wake up. We've got to wake up. <laughs> we have got to wake up. Oh, you are saying, there's nobody knocking at my door. This evil has not come to my door. Every day I anoint my, my, my door and my house with anointing oil. And I've got to one church where they've given me a green handkerchief to... And drive the demons out. Lot taught the same thing too. I know there are a lot of things that we've heard about Lot, but the Bible calls Lot a righteous man. Lot sat at the gate of the city. At least Lot was righteous enough to recognize the angels when they came. And took them to his house and says, come, come, come and take shelter in my house. This is a sinful place. <laughs> we know that Lot was a rich man. He was wealthy. By the time he separated from Abraham, they couldn't, the land couldn't contain their wealth together. He had to go away. But when the judgment of God came upon Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot lost everything. He went out of Sodom and Gomorrah empty-handed. When the wrath of God came. And so you are saying, I have my jeeps, I have my cars, I have my properties. Oh, wait for the wrath of God to come. That is why we must wake up. And when Lot left the city of Gomorrah and Sodom, he went into the cave. From the city to the cave. And in the cave, horrible things happened in the cave. It was in the cave that his own daughters got him drunk and slept with him. Because the wrath of God came upon the city. Oh, people of God, don't say, don't say it hasn't come to my door. It has come to the gate of the city. And if you know anything spiritual about gates of cities, that is where judgments are passed. That is where decisions are taken. That was why the Bible says, blessed is the man who have children full of his, uh, in his quiver. They will contact with his enemies at the gate. There's contention at the gate. And the enemy is winning. But are we going to take on the armor of God and fight the enemy? If, it's, if the gospel is the power of God, the gospel is the power of God, the gospel is the power of God. What are you doing with the power? When was the last time you used that power? Oh, you are still here and saying, I'm not going to sell anymore. 
I was offended. Get over it! Get over your offense and get back into the cell. My cell leader didn't call me. Call your cell leader. My pastor didn't come to visit you. Go visit your pastor. Send him a card. Tell him you appreciate him. Get over it. Get back into the cell. Line up. Have you ever seen soldiers marching to the, to, to the war front and one is going that way, one is going that way, one is going that way? And the commander and the general is calling and say, line up. And they say, no, 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 we, we're, we're having a chat here. Thank God for those of you. I'm screaming at the choir this morning. Because you are the ones that are here. You are the, we are probably the ones that are in cells. You are probably the ones that are preaching the gospel. Thank God for your life. But it's time to do more. Thank God for kingdom partners. But it's time to give more. Thank God for those who are tithers and givers. But it's time to do more. Because the enemy is at the gate. Where I come from, we have a proverb. And the proverb says, you know, in the olden days, you have thatched roofs. Roofs made from, with leaves. And the proverb says, you don't set a light your roof and go to bed. When you see your roof on fire, your thatched roof on fire, your house is on fire, and then you go to bed. Now, if that's not the biggest stupidity around, then that's demonic possession. The enemy is at the gate. The roof is on fire. Christians don't go to bed. What do we do? <laughs> oh yes, give God a clap of them. I told you I'm not pulling punches today. I'm not pulling punches at all. It is good for those of you who are worshipping with us for the first time. And if this is your first time in a Christian church, <laughs> not, not, not every preacher in this house operates under this Nigerian anointing. <laughs> I can tell you for a fact, and if you are watching on the internet or you are in the coronet or you are on the overflow, I can tell you that Pastor Colin, our apostolic leader, does not scream at people like I do. So please bear with me today. Bear with me today. But there's fire shot up in my bones. I take a look around me and I don't like what I see. And I can complain. I can whine. Do you know what I realized recently? I stopped listening to uh, calling programs on, on radio. Uh, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not advertising any program. But I love Nick Ferrari's show. He's a master of controversy. And he's fair. Most of the time he's fair. In the way he handles his show. And I realized that what, you know, please call me a conspiracy person. But I think there's a conspiracy that says, let's do, the government says, let's do what we want to do. But let's throw it out there in the, in the, in the media, in the airways. Let the people call in and let them express their anger let them do everything that they want to do. And when they've vented their anger, they'll go to the pub, have a pint, go home, and that, it's all forgotten. And when we can go ahead and do what we want to do. Those are the people out there. But for those of us who are in here, it is time to go back to our companions. The Bible says here, when they were warned strictly, 
when they were threatened, they went back to their companions. And they didn't pray, oh God, why are you doing this to us? We are doing your work. And we are preaching the gospel. And we've given our offering. We even gave our tax. What else do you want? Our blood? <laughs> Look at them threatening us. They are going to put us in prison. They are going to do, 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 do. Oh, get over it. You are a soldier in the army of God. Yeah. Pastor Colin, over the vision week, has been talking about pulling down the strongholds of the mind. A civilian mentality, mentality, to have a civilian mentality, when you are enrolled in the Marines, or you are enrolled in the, in the, in the, the special forces, is a crime against humanity. When you are being sent to Afghanistan to fight, and you have, you know, you are still thinking about, um, like, like the politicians who are saying we should cut everything. Cut, 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 cut. And then they threw something out there saying, don't you think you should increase our salaries? <laughs> they are crazy. Uh, you, you, didn't, you didn't hear about that? Oh, a couple of months ago, they were talking about, you know, has set up a committee to look at whether it's, it's all right to increase the, 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 the politicians, the, you know, those of them in the House of Commons. They wanted to increase their salaries. Our gas bills are going up. Water bills are going up. London underground bills are going up. You know, now even food, lasagna is going to go up because we don't want to eat horse meat. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. We've been buying cheap food with that. Okay, we, we, can, we can weather this storm as long as food don't go up. Now we know we're eating horse meat. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, let's leave horse meat alone. <laughs> and let's come back to the, to the food of the spirit. When these threats come like this, it's not the time to back off. Someone said, courage is not the absence of danger. But it is doing what you are supposed to do. Yeah, courage is not the absence of danger. It's doing what you are supposed to do in spite of the danger. No wonder God said to, 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 to Joshua, be bold and be courageous. You're going to fight some battles before you get into the promised land. So be bold and be courageous. As I was with Moses, I'm with you. Everywhere the soles of your feet are tread upon, I have given it to you. We either look at their threats and back off or we decide to be bold and to be courageous. There's no middle ground. Jesus said you are either hot or you are cold. If you are cold, I can take you and throw you among fire and you catch fire. If you are hot, you are usable. But if you are lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. May that not be your portion in Jesus' name. Amen. By prophetic word, there's an apostolic shifting over this house. There is a shift in the realm of the spirit over Kensington Temple and London City Church. 
by prophetic utterance. I'm speaking in parables. A couple of people will understand what I'm saying. There is a shift in the spirit that wants to give voice to the apostolic leadership of this house over this city. But the general over this house needs true sons and daughters and soldiers to line up. Not because he wants to be a big doobie. You know, that's why some of us are still following him. Because we, oh, I honor Colindai again in this house. I honor the grace of God upon his life. I honor the anointing of God, is, of God upon his life. I honor the sacrifices. The sacrifices. The sacrifices. The sacrifices. I honor a man of God who travels around the world lay hands on the sick and they are getting healed and his own daughter is sick at home and died at the age of 16. I honor the man of God who will still come here and tell you God heals. I honor the grace of God upon a man of God who have written over 35 books and not one single penny of royalty goes to his account. I honor the man of God. And you know, when I was on staff in this place, I've been upstairs in his office. And I've seen people come to him and say, Pastor Colin, God has told me to write a book. And I want Katie to publish it for me. I said, alright. So, what exactly is the, what's the need for Katie? What do you mean? It's my book. I'm writing it and I'm publishing it. What do you mean? What do you mean? So you want me to take the money of these people who come weekly to give their tithes and their offerings and give generously to this house to publish your book. And you don't even want to give anything back to them. And they've left offended. Be offended and get out. Be offended and get out. We don't need you here. Until you are ready to line up. We don't need you here. Oh, people of God. The entertainment is over. I don't know how many of you were awesomely blessed by that time of worship. You know we substituted worship for entertainment in the church. Wouldn't it be nice? For our leaders, Christian leaders in this nation, and I'm talking about Kolendai, I'm talking about Agu Iruku of Redeem, I'm talking about John Francis of Ruak, I'm talking about Matthew Ashimolowo of KICC, I'm talking about Nicky Gumbel of Holy Trinity Brompton, and some of the other people who believe that Jesus is Lord, those leaders, will it not be great to have them get off their high horses? Come together in a holy huddle and cry to God and say to God, the enemy is at the gate. Wouldn't it be nice if you, the men of God that I've just mentioned your names, you come off building your own kingdoms and think about the kingdom of God. Will you, will it not be nice for you? I hope the camera is on my face. Will it not be great that you get together 
and say London will not become Sodom and Gomorrah. People of God, whether it's International Garden of Eagles or International Garden of Champions or what do we have in this house? Vision Week, come energize. I don't know what Bishop John Francis is doing in Ruach and in Brixton. I don't know what, you know, whether it's Alpha. When the wrath of God comes on Gomorrah and Sodom, Lot will lose everything. Now, when they've gathered in this holy huddle of prayer, these men of God, because of what they see in our community, then they can gather us into the Wembley Stadium to come and pray. I saw my dear brother, Dr. Oloide, trying to do prayer meeting in Wembley Stadium. And I thank God for the vision God has given him. But we're not there. We're not there yet. We didn't even feel West Ham Stadium the first time we went there. We didn't feel it. And so we substituted prayer for entertainment. I wasn't there, but I had a couple of people go from our church in Walthamstow. And one of them was a new believer. He said, yeah, I really enjoy the music festival. But what really baffled me was uh, when at a particular time we were asked to bring, up, bring out our mobile phones and we were asked to text to a particular number and we were asked to text 10 pounds. Everybody must give 10 pounds. He's a new believer. And he's thinking that's what Christianity is all about. And I had to sit him down and say, no, that's just to pay for the program. He said, but we bought tickets. We buy tickets to go and pray when the enemy is at the gate. When the enemy is at the gate, we don't need tickets to go and pray. We need to go there and empty our buckets, our pockets, and say, we want this thing. And not every, every, almost every quarter of the year, until the enemy departs from the gate. What do we do? Now, please understand that I'm not criticizing this man of God. I definitely, you know, I won't criticize Colin Dye publicly. I may have a little bit battle with him in the background, but no, I'm not criticizing them. I'm not criticizing the grace of God upon their lives. I'm not criticizing the work they are doing for God. They've done a lot that I'm yet to accomplish 1% of what they are doing. But this is the time that individualism will wreck the kingdom of God in this nation. So we need to shout to them. Forget your personal kingdom. Think about the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Somebody, somebody once said that our, our African brothers, I'm not pulling punches today, and I'm an African, so you can't accuse me of racism. <laughs> our African brothers, I mean pastors and leaders, they are easily seduced by politicians. We want to have our pictures taken with them so that we can hang it up in our offices. How many demons does that drive out of your church on a Sunday? Because your picture is hanging up there with, with Boris Johnson. Who doesn't even know Christ? And that's what you are, we are proud of? That we have pictures hanging on our offices of politicians 
Politicians who have anti antichrist spirit. Break it down. Get rid of that picture and break it down. If your MP voted against God, take his picture off your wall and break it. It's either we want to stand up for God or want to backslide. The gospel is still the power of God unto salvation. You don't remember anything I said today? The gospel is the power of God to salvation. A couple of weeks ago, Renard Bonke was on this platform. And I was in all the meetings. And he said one thing. He said, evangelism that does not lead people back into the church is nonsense. His exact words. And then he said again, evangelism without prayer is useless. And prayer without evangelism is powerless. Prayer, evangelism. Evangelism, prayer. It's either powerless or useless. If it's not powerless, then it is powerful. If it's not useless, then it is useful. And he said to me, but my, my prayer life is weak. Oh yeah, I know. It is the parable of the coals. You were on fire before you thought I could do it on my own. So you stepped out of the church. You stepped out of the cell. And suddenly now that coal of fire has gone cold. Get back into the cell and catch more fire for Jesus. As long as you are a coal of fire and you are out of the bunch of coals, you will get cold. And then Jesus will spill you out of his mouth. Something little happened and you are offended. Please get over it. I can say get over it. Because we all sometime in our lives have had to get over it. What is the, the solution? The solution is get back to being with Jesus. Get back into fellowship. They took, they took, they took notice that they have been with Jesus. How do you be with Jesus? Get back into the word and into prayer. Into the word and into prayer. Into the word and into prayer. If you are into the word and into prayer, nobody will ask you to come to cell. No, your cell leader won't have to come and tell you, you know, it's not really my fault. It's Amanda died. I don't know why she wants us to go on encounter anyway. She's always talking about encounter, 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 encounter. So please sign up before, before, before they think I'm a, re a rebellious leader. No, you are not in the word. And you are not in the place of prayer. Because if you know you are in the world and you are in the place of prayer, you will know when that cell member goes on that encounter, she will come back a new person. Or he will come back a new person. That person is ready to go again for Jesus. We've become Christians who have to be entertained and pacified. But these men, they were threatened. They went back to their own companions. They did not pray, Oh God, protect us. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The, my enemies, let the angels of God pursue them. Let their ways be, be pitch dark and slippery. That was not what they prayed. They prayed for boldness to preach the gospel. And they said to Jesus, as we preach this gospel, let your promise come to pass. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the leper. Open the blinds of the eyes. That they may continue to know that you are alive in us. That he's alive in us. That he's alive in us. You know, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, talks about the whole armor of God. The helmet of salvation, 
this is the way I like to, to do it for myself. I start from the head. The helmet of salvation. The breastplate of righteousness. The belt of truth. The boots of the preparation of the gospel. The shield of faith. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now when you strip that passage of the Bible, of the armor, you know the description of the armor. What you get, the real armor, is salvation, righteousness, truth, the gospel, faith, and the word of God. That's the armor of God. Salvation, righteousness, truth, gospel, faith, and the word of God. That is how we combat this enemy at the gate. Let me finish with two things. The truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He also said, you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. The truth will make you free. For salvation to come, the truth must be seen. And so please, don't condemn David Cameron. Don't condemn those MPs. Let's give them the truth. Let's not talk, stop talking about the truth. Let's not stop talking about the truth. Because the truth will set them free. The truth will make them free. And then he talks about righteousness. Righteousness. Two things, truth and righteousness. Righteousness. Righteousness means we have a right standing before God. God created us in his own image and after his own likeness. Perfect. Righteous. But sin came in and marred that image. Distorted that image. And Jesus Christ came and restored that image. But sin is still marring that image. Child of God, get sin out of your life. Get sin out of your life. Little sin, big sin, out. Little sin, big sin, out. Sin has no place in the church of Jesus Christ. Oh yes, I know it's not very, very church friendly. It's not very, very seeker friendly to talk about sin. But in this house, we hate sin with a passion. You're a young person. You are engaged to be married. And you're sleeping together. And you say it doesn't matter. It matters to Jesus. It may not matter to the people out there. It matters to Jesus. Excuse me, Mr. Married Man. <laughs> you, are, you are still texting a young lady in the night and say, what are you wearing at 12 midnight? <laughs> Sin is crashing at your door. Get rid of it. There is no bride. There is no bride dressed up for a wedding that drives to a garage, a motor garage, and tells this chief, chief engineer and says, I've just dressed. Can you see me in my flowing gown? Do you like my... My, my, my train. The, I wanted to pour engine oil on me. The black one that you just removed from the dirtiest truck. Pour it on me because I want to look real good as I walk the aisle with my husband. Have you ever seen any, any bride doing that? The engineer will call the ambulance. <laughs> and will not just ask for the, for the, for the A&E, will ask for the psychiatric ward. But that's who we are. We are the bride of Christ. 
and sin mars our wedding gown and our train. Sin mars it. If you call yourself a Christian and you're still living in sin, I mean living in sin, you are a problem to the body of Christ. You are one of our problems. Get it right with God. Go talk to somebody that can help you. Don't walk into that wedding party with your wedding gown dirty. Where sin is, the gospel is powerless. But we serve a God of grace. Oh, don't you just love God? When you read in the Bible about the story of the woman that was caught in adultery. How she carried that shame before Jesus. And how Jesus set her free. And also empowered her to go and sin no more. That's the gracious God that we serve. That's why Jesus Christ came. To forgive our sins, past, present and future. But also telling us to go and sin no more. It's not the gospel, the preaching that says we cannot overcome sin. If we say we cannot overcome sin, then we say the cross of Jesus is powerless. We may struggle at the beginning. We may be bedridden because of sickness. Oh yes, we may fall a little bit when we start that physiotherapy. But as we keep pushing those muscles to walk, even if Usain Bolt can't catch up with you. Because those muscles will be so developed now that it can stand. No wonder the Bible says, when you have done all to stand, keep standing. It is time to stand boldly for Jesus. Bow down your heads and let's pray. Father, we thank you. For the entrance of your word brings light. It brings understanding. Lord, let the seed of the word of God that have been sown rest in the hearts of a people on good ground. Let it bring forth fruit hundredfold in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the apostolic shifting that is coming over this house. Thank you for this time of the voice of the apostle talking about discipleship that is about to be had over this city. Lord, speed it up. Make it come quickly. That your people may be strengthened to stand against the enemy at the gate in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If you're here this afternoon, you have not come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've not been set free. Like that woman that was caught in adultery. You have not at any time asked the Lord Jesus Christ to become your Lord and your Savior. You have not invited him in into your heart. In other words, if you are to die tonight, where are you going to go? Are you assured that you are going to go to heaven? If you are not, 
Wherever you are seated in this auditorium, heads bowed, eyes closed. I want you to lift up your hand as a sign that you want to give your life to Christ. In this atmosphere of holiness, just lift those hands up, lift it up, I will acknowledge it and you can bring it down. You're the first people I want. There's, there's a sister up there right at the top. Thank you. Just put that hand up. Let me see that hand and I will acknowledge it. Consolidators, please help me. There's somebody there. Okay, there's a brother there right in the front. Thank you. God bless you. There's a sister right there at the top in the transept. Join the worship. There was a sister that gave her life to Christ. Join the worship. That's the presence of God here. Is there any other person? Are you lifting up yours? There's a sister right there at the top there lifting up both her hands. You want to give your life to Christ. You want to come into relationship with this God of the universe. Consolidators, please move quickly towards them. Thank you. Now I want to call back. There's a sister right here before me. Thank you. You have been away from Jesus. You backslidden. Probably it's from sin. Probably it's because of sin. Probably it's because you were offended in the cell. I don't know why you backslidden. But you are not as fervent and as on fire as I used to be. Please stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. You want to come back to your Lord and your Savior today. You are not coming back to man. You are not coming back to man. You are coming back to Jesus. Stand to your feet. You want to rededicate your life. You want the fire of the Holy Spirit to come upon you again. Don't be ashamed. If you are ashamed of me, here or not, I'll be ashamed of you in the presence of my Father. Your, your spiritual life, your fire seems to have gone out. You want that fire back. You want it back. There was a time you were really, really in love with Jesus. Thank you, my sister. Thank you, that sister standing at the back. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Stand up, stand up. I want to pray for you. My time is up. Really, really up. Really up, really up. Thank you, my brother standing. Thank you, my brother and my sister at the top there. Thank you, thank you. Everybody are standing up all over this place. I give you one more second to stand up. It's no joke. The enemy is at the gate. We cannot afford to be lukewarm. We cannot afford to be lukewarm. Stand up, stand up, stand up. You want to rededicate your life to God. You want that fire back, burning in you. You want to line up with the apostolic authority of this house. And if you're a satellite pastor, you've not lined up with the apostolic authority. You are an apostolic overseer. You've not lined up. You're a cell leader. You're, not, you're a primary 12. You've not lined up. This message is for you. Line up. Line up. Father, your children are standing up before you. They have not been ashamed of you. They are standing up acknowledging that they want the fire back in them. Holy Spirit, you are the one that comes upon us with power and with fire. Let the anointing fire come upon them right now. Let everything that is impure be driven out. Let the refiner's fire come upon you. Let the fuller's fire come upon you. In the name of Jesus Christ. I prophesy over you that you are leaving this place victorious in the name of Jesus. You are leaving this place victorious. Because there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for you. For the law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free. Now from the law of sin and death. In the name of Jesus Christ. You will fulfill your destiny with power. You will fulfill your destiny with power. With the grace of God upon your life. You will fulfill your destiny. You will fulfill your calling. You will be great for the kingdom of God. In the name of Jesus. Let it be so my father. For we pray with faith and with thanksgiving. In Jesus' mighty name. And the people of God say, Amen. Amen. God bless you.